Bolt-On Technologies Automotive Software Solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-On Technologies software provide customer vehicle condition reports including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Live from the John's Refrigeration Media Center at the East Valley Institute of Technology, this is 88.7 The Pulse, KPNG, Chandler, Phoenix, and KVIT, Apache Junction, Goldfield, Ghost Town, Arizona. This is Ranch Nation, car talk, car culture, car tips, car music, all that is car. Ranch Nation Car Talk. Call or text your questions now. 480-655-8870 with your hosts, Frank and Steve. We're back, we're back, we're back. Two hours of French Nation starts at 3 o'clock today here, and you are with us at 480-655-8870. Call or text anytime. Hello there, Frank. What is happening, you mechanical maniacs? Joining us every Wednesday, chilling out in your ride. Maybe you got a little traffic out there, uh, or you're catching this on the replay in the podcast. You're home, baby for some car care and culture and uh, just about anything that you want to talk about car care related 480-655-8870 yeah we're here to answer any questions you may have if there's ever something wrong that you think might be wrong with your car or maybe you even have the car already diagnosed and you just want a second opinion 480-655-8870 if you call in today and you have any questions we'll give you free renaissance festival tickets all right just a gift from wrench nation to you that's right and you guys can text in we love it you guys have been rock stars um god you guys have been participating with the show i already have somebody who's asking a question about today's topic which we'll get to in a few yeah, minutes yeah and i just want to tell you yeah. uh you guys man you guys rock if you have look we try to design a show uh that is relevant it's educational it's entertaining you guys know you can get on over to wrench nation facebook man there's just so much going on and we want to take you on that journey which means like right now people you can text in we want to hear what you have to say. And certainly if you got a question, don't be fearful. We're not the big, bad, blankety blank car care guys. I think we have to also do a little poll today after we get to the topic. And uh, we'll yeah. throw it out there a little bit later. And uh, if you want to participate a little later, we'll have you text in for that. But Frank, yesterday I got this letter. Uh-oh. And it was, uh, dear sir, dear Steve Gross, oh, uh, your 2008 Dodge Ram warranty is going to expire soon. And we have tried to contact you. Is this a scam? Oh. They're trying to sell me. A, now, wait a minute. You think I don't even own the truck anymore. You think it's some Wall Street people? <laughs> I, I th- No, I think selling it's a scam. You penny- Somebody trying to sell me some warranty I don't need. It's a letter. Well, ironically, and we didn't talk about this, guys, before we got on air. I got an automated phone call oh. yesterday. About a warranty? Yeah. So my wife drives the 15 Ford Explorer. Okay. We, love, we love it. I mean, it's got yeah, technology sure. and it's leather and it's really a nice ride comfortable on the uh freeway so i get this phone call and i'm sorry you guys know you listening i know you can screen your calls too right i do the same thing well mine now says scam likely on it if it's something did you get that too no (laughs) what i'm saying is what i got was a 602 oh yeah okay area code okay and and, you know that's our phoenix area code and then you answer the phone and and i'm like my name is uh johnson (laughs) and i am going to call about your warranty and it was they didn't even give me the luxury of talking to somebody if you're gonna like sell me an extended warranty on this give me a live-blooded person i can't take the automation and so i heard it and i said "Ah, yeah so uh, steve i think well it's an economy 
Yeah, of course. They want to sell something. They want to sell something, but is there, I mean, we, I, we did a show about warranties before, but I got this letter yesterday. I'm just thinking, Would you it know, make- I didn't actually, I, I did not get multiple notifications from them. They're full of crap. And what they're trying to do, though, is they're trying to pressure me going, you only have so many days before your last warranty is up. Look, if that warranty isn't up after 10 years of having the vehicle and 196,000 miles when I traded it off, that warranty is never going to get up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I dislike that biological clock and your car is ticking. Right. It is waiting for you to buy that. <laughs> oh, gosh. No warranty for me. Now, what I'm saying about this situation is that we do this all the time, yes. people. And it's not just with the car warranties. It's like you guys know that half these warranties, we, we throw them out or we forget we even own them. So I got it's it's a difficult thing, Steve. And some of you out there are saying, well, Frank, I need my warranty. It's peace of mind. And I get it. But really evaluate on that topic, Steve, because you asked me. Yeah. You want to know? Yep. Here it goes. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. You listening. Yes. What is my ride doing for me now? And where am I going to be two and three years from now? Okay. Think about it. Right. So we got a lot of younger drivers, younger families out there driving. And, you know, they may have grown their family. So that little Mazda may not work. They may be in a Toyota Sienna. So really be careful. Where am I going to be two and three years from now? Do I really need this spend? Because I got to tell you, for the most part, in the extended warranty arena, if you are long distance going to keep your baby I have, I have cars in the garage today that extended warranty will cover thousands of dollars That's in repair. Awesome. So, again, what's the math? We talk about it all the time. Here's the math. You listening, you want to know, Frank, what should I be spending on well, my car? Well, I mean, they've got that laid out on the letter, Frank. But what I'm wondering is, that, you know, am I going to get there? And they're going to go, no, we don't cover that. We don't cover that. There's good warranties. There's bad warranties. So you got to do your research. Well, I always say. Uh, Maybe you, talk to your garage and say, look, absolutely. have you heard of this warranty? They go, no, I've never. Well, you know. More than that, I think this is the key. And a lot of you, it's real simple. Maybe some of you that don't have a relationship with a garage or a dealership, you get with your insurance agent. And right. I, I hope you have a relationship there and absolutely you get down to your local mechanic because guess what he's been through he's been to war in the trenches fighting the dogs so when you work with those warranties though is it like an insurance company you agree to take a certain different payment well yes okay and and we're not going to go too far in extended warranties uh but i will give you this tip other topics it's very (laughs) valuable it's a valuable tip i can tell you you know, I've got 50,000 scenarios sure. of working on these cars. Sure. The idea is what I've seen with extended warranties, the higher your deductible, the more chintzy this thing is going to be. Understand that. And number two, if you buy an extended warranty from two places, right? one from the dealer, sure, they're not going to dance with, with uh, the toyish warranties. No, they should be okay. Now you'll pay a premium. Yes, you will. And number two... Call your insurance agent. Okay. Right? If you got any relationship. think about that. So there you are. There's that. Yeah. We didn't even think we were going to talk about insurance. You got here. some auto news? Well, we do now. And I got a report for you people. I can't believe it. Some of you don't even want to know about it. But the percentage of you that want to get comfortable with an autonomous car You is and your growing. autonomous obsession. I love it. <laughs> I'm saying we get horsepower in a Waymo little vehicle. We'll uh, be good. You and I need to get in a Waymo one day live on Wrench Nation. 
Well, I'm saying I met actually met with Waymo this let's morning. Get, let's get I'm in work, there. I'm working on yeah. some stuff. But you millennials, and I hate the word millennials. I think that's Madison Avenue shtick. But you have grown. Here's the statistic. Millennials are 23 to 37 years old, by the way. That's BS. That's what they say. People are people. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Some of you are on Twitter. Some of you are on Facebook. Some of you have got email. Some of you are using VHS. Some of you like to grow beards. Right. <laughs> and some of you don't. It's all good. I don't believe in the shtick with, right. uh, you know, I, I really don't. So uh, there was a report. AAA came out, a very reputable uh, medium for information. Sure. We like to look at that. Uh, it, it, it was titled, Millennials are more accepting of the technology. Now, you probably say, well, duh, they live in technology. But specifically, we went from last year, 78% of you were kind of fearful of this autonomous car. That number's dropped almost to 60%. U.S. drivers said they wouldn't be afraid to get into a fully self-driving car. Uh, 73% of you women are afraid to ride in a self-driving car. So I want to know right now, you ladies are listening, and you're saying, bah, humbug. I want you to text me right now. I want to do a quick poll right now. What's the poll? The poll is, if you are listening, would you feel comfortable? Are you fearful or are you super comfortable in a self-driving car? Now, women, uh, women, they say women are really fearful, and you men, pounding your chest, are really comfortable. All right, so comfortable, uncomfortable, that's the word you need to text us, and random people will get the Renaissance Festival tickets. Text 480-655-8870. Comfortable or uncomfortable in a self-driving car? And some more technology, Toyota, quietly. Would you be? Yeah, would you be? I you would know. be uncomfortable. So I, I'm one for uncomfortable. I'm saying if it's got horsepower, I'd probably be comfortable. Text now, 480-655-8870. It has horsepower to run you into a wall, and you weren't <laughs> ho- uh, handling the steering wheel. Well, Great, Frank. Thanks. I, I, I was going to report on this, but yeah. real quick. Um, Tesla had an incident, all right? And what makes this interesting, Tesla and a lot of these automated vehicles don't have a whole lot of these incidents uh, unless it was uh, driver error. Technology has been pretty proven. Uh, well, this fella ended up uh, underneath a tractor-trailer, but they did the forensics on that, and the 37 minutes that led prior to that incident, he didn't have his hands on the wheel for 36 minutes. I'm saying wow. that he thought that car was like a microwave. Might as well just taking a nap. You just, I don't believe you can just, I don't know. So uh, one story here I wanted to tell you guys. A lot of you have been waiting for this. Yeah, we want our cars to be built around our smartphones, uh, and we need to put our smartphones down. Well, Toyota quietly rolls out Apple CarPlay, and that was at the Detroit Auto Show. This is a major shift for Toyota. Uh, They didn't really, you know, a lot of manufacturers didn't really buy into this uh, years ago. They weren't sure. But a lot of you said, hey, I want to be able to synchronize my cell phone and be able to do business safely, people. If that is even a term, Steve, technically you should put your cell phones away, throw it in the back seat. Distracted driving is killing you, people. And, uh dopamine for that matter you guys know every time you get an alert you get a dopamine injection to your brain and while you're driving you're like oh i gotta see who who's liking me on facebook put the phones away people uh but there's your breaking news here on ranch nation <laughs> all the texts are coming in frank right now it's 50 50 50 we've got comfy and uncomfy right now we got two people comfy two people uncomfy would you be comfortable or uncomfortable in a self-driving car, text your answer, 480-655-8870. Random people. Going to get right Renaissance Festival tickets today as a gift from Wrench Nation. We'll be back. Frank, how horsepower of the 60s. 
created a competition that rivaled the Hatfields and McCoys. That's right, you daytime soap operas got nothing on the muscle car wars of the 50s and 60s. We got special guests coming in studio to talk about the muscle car wars. Wrench Nation continues next. Wrench Nation Car Talk. Call or text your questions now. 480-655-8870. All right, some people are comfy, some people aren't. We got more texts and it's still 50-50. 50-50. It's like 7-7 seven to seven right now on whether or not you would be comfortable in an autonomous vehicle. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What do you guys say? I mean, Triple A says a lot of you women don't. They, you wouldn't even you wouldn't entertain it. Like, it's 78% of you. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would not want to go in an autonomous vehicle. I like the control factor. But anyway, keep them coming. 480-655-8870. Well, shout out time. Yeah, this week's shout outs. All you maniacs that got on the Ranch Nation Facebook and Hung out with us. You're new to our page. You guys rock. And then, of course, the Parts Authority, Pronto Auto Parts, with over 90 locations across the country. Parts you can count on where the answer is always yes. Get your VIP club card and enjoy those savings and member discounts. Check out Parts Authority, ProntoAuto.com. And guess what, people? We're going to be out at the uh, NHRA uh, testing, and uh, we'll also be out at the uh, races formerly. Uh, they've got the Pronto uh, Dragster out there, so we're going to be pumping that up on Facebook. You guys check that out. All right, so today's topic, oh, Car Wars. That's right. That's what we're talking about, Car Wars. So I got some Car Wars music. I stole it from Star Wars. Look at you go. You're such a creative DJ no, guy so cre- I'm just here. a creative genius. Well, all right, we're talking about the muscle car wars. Okay. Now, you may have heard about these muscle cars in the 60s and 70s, but the legendary stories behind these cars are, I mean, they make a daytime soap look like a chump change. I mean, you say muscle car to me, I immediately think Mustang. That's the first one I think of. Definitely Mustang. Okay. Uh, I think it would be safe to say we are talking Chevy, GM. Yep. Right. Ford. Ford. And pretty much Dodge, right? Those Dod- were the- Did Dodge have a lot of muscle cars in the 60s, though? They, they did, and we got guests The Charger, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We, we're going we're gonna to dive into that more. Uh, was the General a- Lee a, a Dodge? Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, so the idea behind these wars, and it's interesting, Steve, to see the kind of car wars we're having today. It seems not to revolve around horsepower, but back in the day- you led the horsepower. You led that racetrack. You led a brand on that showroom floor. And so there was a lot of history behind Carol the Cobra, right? If you look right. at Shelby, uh, of course, Bill Thoms- Thomas. We're going to talk about that further here. Um, so th- the thing about it is I- I'd like to kind of fast forward today because we got a lot of youngsters listening to the show. Um, maybe you've been to a car show. Sure. Oh, wow. I mean, you I see a lot videos of and... You know, some of us can't, they don't quite associate when we say muscle car wars to the true blood and passion and spirit. Today's car, blood, passion, and uh, spirit seems to be behind technology that's centered around your smartphone. I mean, if you think about it, we want more MPG. We want the steering wheel. That's miles per gallon, people. I mean, look, (laughs) Wally and I talked about this. RPMs. We got paddles on the steering wheel. Right. That do what? What are they? <laughs> are they really uh, doing anything? They can tell you everything. For the average vehicle that has those paddles. So today doesn't seem to, we don't have those type of wars. Right. 
And we're talking about You're right. the blood sport of racing. Sure. The midnight hour of burning of oil to make a correction to a grease lightning. Yeah, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So before I, we go to the wiser advisor, I do have another caller. Lori's on the phone. She's got a question about her 2005 Nissan. Lori, good morning or good afternoon. How you doing? Good. How are you? I good. know my daughter's going to be getting in my car in a second here from school, but oh, what, good. How are you guys? Good. What kind of car do you uh, have? Uh, a Nissan Xterra 2005. Oh, okay. Quick question, quick question before my phone dies. Yes. Um, had the transmission replay, uh, rebuilt by Nissan Auto Shop in Tempe, Arizona, and um, now I'm reading all kinds of things about the radiator causing problems with the transmission going out, and he said that that wasn't the case, but somebody recommended me getting a, a new radiator. Yeah, you want to look at that. Um so in, in a lot of platforms, I, I don't know specifically with Nissan, I don't have that in front of me, but okay. it's important to cool down that transmission fluid. Like when we think about our engines, Lori, we think about the antifreeze keeping the engine cool, but that transmission has to also have an operating temperature. So I highly recommend, as a courtesy, you can go back to that garage and say, hey guys, I just want to ensure these winter months aren't too bad, but I don't want to have a meltdown in the spring. Uh-huh. Did you guys check the supporting systems, the supporting coolant systems, uh, this case the radiator, right, Lori? So have them double-check that. You can always reach out to us, Wrench Nation Facebook. Go get the children. Don't make the children upset. All right, thank you, Lori. Thanks for calling in. Don't want your phone to die there. All right, time to bring in JB, the wiser advisor from Bolt-On Technology. Hello, JB. Yo, guys. How you doing? Good. Welcome back. What's going on this week? Oh, dude, uh, this is great. I'm actually in your time zone right now. I'm in Denver. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Snap. How's the weather up there? Uh, actually, it's pretty nice. It's yeah. pretty clear. It doesn't feel too cold, but I bet you it's colder than you guys. It's like 38 degrees here. Yeah, much colder. I'm a pansy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, got the, I got the blankets to put on all the bushes because we get a little touch into the freeze. But uh, I know it's funny. Hey, uh, so tell bushes. us, uh, we want to we wanna actually, we got a lot of wrenches across the country that listen to the show on the podcast, and of course, a lot of them are live right now. Uh, I'd like to give you the floor and a shout out. Uh, we always talk about training. There's so much technology. What are you doing in Denver? Well, we're out here for the ASA Colorado Summit, which is actually this Saturday at 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. And as you said, it's training for all the owners, managers, service writers, and technicians. This is a place where you can work with people and doing the same thing you are, take classes, and learn how to fix people's cars a lot more efficiently and a lot better. Right. Automotive Service Association, correct? Yes. Where can they find it? If we got folks listening right now, last minute, they want to sign up for this or uh, get down there, where do they go? Okay, it's being held at the Lincoln Tech in Denver, which is on 11194 East 45th Street, and that's in Denver. Okay, cool. Okay, and there's a phone number here if you want to call and get more information. I'll get that out. 303 202-5231. Everybody right. is welcome. Very good to support training for you ranchers out there. Uh, so, JB, we're talking muscle cars. Um, you know, lots of history. Of course, uh, when you think of muscle cars, you think of Carroll Shelby. You think about the 67 Mustangs, um, you know, and, and some of that that uh, was taking place back then. Um, when you started wrenching in your early career, which was what, 1960? <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm making 92 today. I'm saying you roll add with another, it. Add another 20 years to that, buddy. There I you know, go. I know. But um, 
So I, I'd like to know, in, in your mind as a younger mechanic, because we got younger ranches listening, what, I mean, we're all turned out by horsepower. I don't know a single person that wouldn't, you know, have the need for speed, respectfully, <laughs> you know, on a racetrack. But right. give, us, give us your experience before you challenge us. Uh, we've got just a few minutes to ask you this question. What turned you on? What muscle car made you just want to show up every single day and turn wrenches? Well, it actually wound up being a really big surprise to me. My grandparents owned a 70 Chevy Impala that had a 327 wow. underneath the hood. Nice. And it had nothing else, no power, nothing. So it's just a stripped-down car. You didn't need all that fancy stuff. You had horsepower under the hood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I went to tech school, and they asked me, hey, you need a car to work on a tech school? I said, yeah, well, take the Impala. Well, when I got behind the wheel of that thing and I hit the gas pedal, holy moly. That's where I understood the whole thing about power and being able to fly down the street because that car was pretty dang incredible. All right. Well, speaking My of power. My mom had a Ford Granada and a 302 in it. I mean, the Granada was a four-door car. Yeah. But it looked like a police car, and it took off, and it had some power. Yeah, it had some power. So speaking, nice. of, speaking of power, you are trying to empower our listeners, and you are ready to challenge Steve and I with your challenge question. We want to know... What is the challenge question there, Mr. Wiser Advisor? Shoot it. All right, guys. We're talking about muscle cars here, and here's a little hint. Muscle cars and music go together. There's been many songs written about cars throughout the ages. Oh, I should, I should oh, win this one. Oh, boy. This should be easy. Which one of the following songs okay. is about the car that is considered to be the first, the first muscle car ever? Okay. Here's the names of the songs and the writers. Go. Maybelline okay. by Chuck Berry. Okay. GTO by Ronnie and the Daytona. Ooh. Rocket 88 by Jackie Brenston and the Delta Cats. Okay. And 409 by the Beatles. Which one of those songs is about what's considered the first car that was going to be named a muscle car? Wow. Uh, well, you, wow, I'll wow, tell wow, you wow, what. Wow. Man, you can't. Listen, I barely got through my SATs, man, to get into like, we college. Want, we got to take a break. Do we want to get the listeners to I, chime I'm in? Saying, I'm saying you guys listening need to help okay, us out. Okay, text in now, 480-655-8870. Text in now. Which one is it? Repeat the question and the answers. Go. You got it. Which one of the following cars has a song written about it and is considered the first muscle car ever? Maybelline by Chuck Berry, GTO by Ronnie and the Daytonas, Rocket 88 by Jackie Brenston and the Delta Cats, or the 409 by the Beach Boys. Oh, gosh. All right, so here's what we'll do. We'll take your text right now at 480-655-8870. When we come back, we're going to get the answer from JB from Bolt-On Technology here on Wrench Nation. Plus, we're going to continue on our topic and bring in some more guests on Wrench Nation. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Car talk, car culture, car tips, car music. All that is car. This is Wrench Nation with your hosts, Frank and Steve. All right, the Wiser Advisor, JB from Bolt-On Technology on the phone. He's challenging us again. This time oh, he's got a music geez. challenge. JB, one more time. The question. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay, which, you guys, which one of the following songs is about the car that is considered the first muscle car ever? Okay. Maybelline by Chuck Berry. Maybelline Chuck Berry. Losing your repeat that second one again. GTO okay. by Ronnie and the Daytona. Sure. Rocket 88 by Jackie Brenston and his Delta Cats. Okay. 409 by the Beach Boys. 
Okay, so listeners, uh, their their most voted for one is 409 by the Beach Boys. Is that correct? That is not correct. All right. Oh, what? Why do you come on this show trying to stump us, man? We ain't working for the federal government trying to get all tricky with us. Now, may we bring the music genius in? I've been doing radio for a long, long time. All right. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with Rocket 88. Is that correct? The answer is correct. Yes. Oh, Rocket all right. Uh, I go with Rocket 88. Now, Rocket 88, it was, uh, it was what's his name? And, and Ike Turner was part of that group. Jackie something. Jackie yeah, Brenston. I love, I love the name of these guys. I got to read it again. Jackie. Oh. We're starting to lose you there, JB. Are you there? Jackie Brenston and his Delta Cats. Okay, yes, and his Delta Cats. And Ike Turner was part of those Delta Cats. And this not only was the first song, this is like the first rock and roll song ever. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because. Guy, yep. Do you know why? Well, because, well, rock and roll came from R&B music. Right. But so also why? because the guitarist in there damaged his amplifier oh. and had a distortion out of it. And it's one of the first songs with distorted oh, guitar. Look at this. Look at this. You're even more of a wow. music genius than me. You should yeah. go on Rock and Roll Jeopardy. Look at you go. <laughs> And the Alt 88, here's a little more factual. Uh, the Alt 88 was the car in 1959, so it's the very beginning that everyone says that this is the car, and it came out with the Rocket V8 engine, ah. and that car blew everything off the road that year and for the following, and it eventually became the Olds 88. Yes, that's right. You that's are, right. you know what? Got rid of the Rocket. I just, he's going to ask for a paycheck one day. Yeah, exactly. I know it. I can <laughs> see it coming. Well, you know. All right. Well, speaking of, of that era, we cannot even establish an engagement of the muscle car wars without bringing attention to Carol Shelby of the Cobra yeah. uh, legend. Uh, so I want to get into a lot of you listening me know the name. A lot of you are very intimate with the name, but I wanted to kind of get into some uh, uh, sort of unknown facts about Carol Shelby. But let's establish that uh, Carol Shelby uh, in 62 manufactured market performance vehicle. Uh, that eventually went to, in 88, the full-on international licensing. I mean, that's still a, a brand contender out there today. So many of you don't know, if you go back to some of the old-school pictures of just the regular mechanics or uh, the racing legends, you see most of them in overalls, Steve. Yeah. I mean, the overalls was the thing. I was watching Gomer Pyle and Andrew Griffith last night. He worked at Wally's service station. He had overalls. It was fashionable yeah. <laughs> to have all the overalls. <laughs> and so um, most would say that Shelby single-handedly made these overalls cool. And here's the story. Um, Shelby had a chicken ranch. I mean, that was something that he, you know, it was part of his business and and so what he would do is go right from the chicken ranch and the overalls right into the pit. And chicken. and, <laughs> and uh, those overalls stuck. You know, um, when you mention chicken, I'm going to lose my mind. I know. Take it easy. <laughs> Take it easy. Uh, Shelby was also known to be as uh, tough as nails. Uh, he drove, he co-drove the 12 hours of Sebring with a hand that was badly broken. I mean, nowadays people are like, I got to pull over, my finger hurts. Is that why the Chrysler had the Sebring? Well, you said Sebring. Yeah, the Sebring yeah. does come in. A lot of okay. names for yeah. manufacturers come sure. from the races and the people and the right. places. But uh, the man was tough as nails, uh, and he actually drove. Mm -hmm. He he co-drove that uh, for twelve hours with a busted. I mean, he was like a UFC fighter back in the day. They didn't mess. You know, they didn't mess around. It was all about winning. JB, have you heard of that? 
Well, I actually heard about that, but here's the question I have. Wasn't he the guy that was notorious for popping nitroglycerin? He's yeah. Chest pains when yes. he's driving the car. Wow. Yeah, very good. Yes, uh, that was another. Now, I don't know if that chest pain was from all the, the anguish. It was <laughs> not easy, people. Understand if you went back during that time, there was a lot of pressure. Uh, most racing folks in the community of racing want to have fun. But once you get into that competition level, oh, yeah. it is game on. Sure. Even today, when you look at NASCAR and NHRA, and it's a big business. So uh, popping pills may, you know, we're not <laughs> advocating that, but certainly there may have been a popping a pill or two back then. Um, and the other thing that was sort of credited to Shelby, um, before the driver, Dan Gurney, uh, was driving that GT40, that Ford GT40, uh, celebrating a victory, Shelby whispered over to Dan and said, hey, take that champagne bottle and spray everybody. So that kind of oh. created the whole, you know, what do you do? You win a championship, you're spraying all kinds of bottles. But it was Shelby that kind of said, hey, Dan, pop that bottle. Spray those people. Wow. You know, cool. so a lot of the sort of the history uh, obviously came out of not only developing some of the uh, amazing uh, race mobiles uh, and, and car legends, but the little stories behind that. And of course, the wars with Ferrari quietly, you know, there was a huge, huge battle quietly uh, that, uh, you know, uh, Enzo and, and Shelby, uh, they, they weren't too friendly uh, with each other that way. Um, and so some fun facts for you. We do have uh, some best, special guests here. We kind of talking up the Ford, uh, which later uh, Shelby uh, went over to Dodge. But we got a special guest. You guys want to hold on here. Bill Oxier with the BTM. Uh, this man is a passionate, passionate restorer of the original answer and attack to the Shelby. And that was the Cobra Killer, the Corvette Cheetah, which was uh, recently at Russo and Steel. You guys get on a Facebook. We did a little video capturing that. We got Bill Oxier and, of course, the great Wally Cahill for car reviews. Hold on to your seats, people, JB, as we come back. Thank you so much, the Wiser Advisor. We'll catch you next week. All right, guys. Take care. Thank take care. you. Ranch Nation continues. Car talk, car culture, car tips, car music, all that is car. This is Wrench Nation with your hosts, Frank and Steve. As always, 480-655-8870 if you want to call at any time. Wrench Nation on Facebook, WrenchNation.tv online anytime. Check out the podcast uploaded every Sunday. That's right. We're talking about the muscle car wars, people. Put those soap operas down because there's a lot of more juiciness coming. Uh, you guys know that the uh, muscle cars back in the day, they were the drive behind branding. If you were Ford, you better know how to race. If you were GM, you better know how to win on that racetrack. Sure. And I thought to myself, you had to have we, performance. Where are we at today? I mean, what are we racing? Like, I mean, we race, but it seems like technology with these. Well, kids. look at Fast and Furious. They're yeah, racing. Yeah, that's everybody now. <laughs> they're drifting. I yeah. got kids in the garage. My youngsters, they're like, hey, Frank, we're drifting. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, it's racing. It's sure. competition. Sure. Uh, we got Wally Cahill does our new car review, of course, with Channel 3 every Sunday. Make sure you check out Channel 3 on Sunday. Wally is in studio. Rock on, Rollins. Hey, man, I'll tell you, this is my show here. That's Muscle, why muscle you're... cars. You know, that's where I grew up. Well, let's, uh, let's let our, our listeners know, Wally, you, like, 
your tagline is like, what did you say? Like, you have motor oil in your blood? Uh, what, what if you, you cut me, I bleed 30 weight, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What, that's another thing. All these new cars now, the tolerance is so tight. Yeah, it's like mineral weight. oil. Yeah, it's zero like, weight. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the Toyota Prius, it's like, I, oh, I, I actually bleed Crisco, so. <laughs> Sorry. Why is it chicken, man? <laughs> and uh, I want to also bring in Bill Oxier. Bob, I screwed that up. Bob, you can smack me. Go ahead. Bob is an amazing wrench. Uh, he is a pioneer. Bob, if you bleed, you certainly would have oil. There's more about you behind restoring the legend and keeping that up with the Corvette Cheetah. Welcome to the show, and forgive me for screwing up the, the name. Um, please tell the folks, what are you doing today? Well, we are restoring original Bill Thomas Cheetahs that were built back in 1964 and 5 and 6. There was only 29 built. There's only 15 in the world left today. Wow. And there's 10 in America. And we have four of the original Bill Thomas Cheetahs in our shop today. Wow. So we restore them. The original ones uh, were the only shop in the world that has the tooling to be capable to replace any parts necessary. Right. And we build a tribute car, tribute cheetah, exactly like the original cars, except the welds are a little bit better, a little bit higher quality. Control. You've improved some of because there were there were some design pl- problems, yeah. flaws. Sure. Yeah, but today it's restorations. Like I said, we've got four of them. We've got about two years worth of work ahead of yeah, us. Yeah, we're gonna get to more of that because that's. Um, look, you guys listening understand that you, you can watch a YouTube channel thing of this, that, and the other thing, but who is going to continue? Who is going to continue this history? And, and a lot of times, it's not the big money. We all think, well, bring in the big money. They'll continue it. We are talking about the spirited passion behind the wrench, the mechanic, a little bit of design. Wally, you hung out with some folks on the Shelby side. And Carol, Shelby. Carol Shelby, I hung out with. Well, get the you, man. You just straighten me out, why don't you? That's right. Tell us about, because before we dive into sort of GM and, and Corvette and, and all of that, tell me about Shelby. I mean, he was an incredible individual on the racetrack and having the foresight of designing these muscle cars. Well, yeah, yeah. And it was like a conglomerate of a, a little car from England that he brought in. And then he talked Ford in, er, into giving him some motors. So let's go there for a minute. So the manufacturers at the time, they were like, okay, there's some racing going on. So are you saying that you, the manufacturers had to be talked into this, or did they see an opportunity to brand their name? How did that work with Shelby and Ford? First thing, Shelby was probably the best salesman you're ever going to meet. All right, that's you a know, good qualifying right factor. Yes, and yeah. that's where I believe he dealt with Lee Iacocca, who was at Ford at the time. Yes, later yes. for Dodge. Where, where he yes, went, yes, yeah. that's where we know him from, but he started over there. Um, so basically, Carroll convinced him that he was bringing in some cars, and I can't remember who, what, do you remember what car it is? You know, AC? Yeah, well, is it, is it, but it had a name. Was it the Austin something? Well, I just called him the AC. Yeah, the AC. AC. Anyway, but, but he was a salesman, so he was always thinking about, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna set my wrenches down, I'm gonna set these drawings down, and now I got to put my salesman hat on. How do you think that worked with him? And of course, all the failures. No, 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 no. We don't want nothing to do with this racing business. Okay, first of all, 
Carroll Shelby didn't know the word no. He didn't know the word quit. He was iron gritted that way. That's right. Yeah. I mean, right from the get go. You know, I mean, I think the chickens made him tough. <laughs> you know, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you have to deal with chickens every day, you can do anything. Um, but he went to Ford and he said, hey, I've got these great little cars. You know, we're all about hot rods. We're in Southern California. I'm in Texas right now, but Southern California is lighting up with these hot rods. We can fit a motor, a V8. All right, let me ask you, because uh, NASCAR, um, you know, with Prohibition running East Coast up and down, you know, sure, from the sure. city down south, is it fair to say that California was kind of like, that was the brainchild of racing, or were, did we have some competition, East Coast, West Coast? Well, East Coast, West Coast, and back then we didn't have internet, we didn't have cell phones, they didn't know what each other was doing, right. and, and frankly... Did they spy on each other? Absolutely not. Uh, oh, there was a respect then. No. They no? Didn't, they didn't know they existed. Either, oh. either end. Oh, gosh. Yeah, these are moonshiners on the East Coast for NASCAR. Yeah. You know, Buddy Baker and those guys, I mean, they, they started off, they were running moonshine from the cops. They, they had like yeah. 40 Ford hot rods with 100-gallon tanks in them that they would fill up with moonshine and they had dirt roads running through the mountains, and that's how these guys learned to drive. And it was a business. I mean, they just happened to be in the business of getting it done and going fast. Absolutely. And that's all they cared about. Absolutely. On the other end of the country where, where uh, you know, California was. A little laid back? Well, everybody was coming back from World War II. Uh, they were making, like, uh, what do they call them, belly tank uh, you know, cars. You know, right. Land speedsters, things like that. They were running at El Mirage Dry Lake Bed and uh, right along the Palmdale area. Uh, later, they ended up over at the Bonneville Salt Flats with them. But they they were more about creating it. Kind of like today's rat rod, that was the original hot rod. You took a little of this, a little of that, and put it together. Yeah. And, and Carroll Shelby, when he put his first Cobras together, they were put together on a concrete floor that wasn't flat without, a, uh, without any type of a jig. So yeah. depending on... CNC and all that was uh, like, no no, way. No, no, no. It was off in the future. Absolutely. If you guys are listening, you have a question. We have Bill Oxier. I said it again. Bob. Bob. Smack me. Just call me Fred. (laughs) Can I just call you Mr. Can I call you the Cheetah Man? (laughs) It works better. All right. Because you know I'm never going to get it right. I'll still hug you like a guy. I'm the cheetah guy. You You must have met somebody who looks like a (laughs) Bob or looks like him or something. I don't know. So you guys listening, now's the time if you have a question uh, maybe you've got a muscle car that is uh, in your garage. Uh, tune in there. <laughs> you we guys have a sign above Bob's they, head. They, they know that. My name is Bob. My name is Bob. <laughs> what about right. Bob? There was a movie. That's right. So call in or text if you have a question. Maybe you've got an old build in your in your house and, and it kind of went on hiatus because you can't find a part. This is the show to call in. We've got two experts in studio and I'm a half expert. I mean, I got a 55 Hudson in the garage. We're going to talk about that. But I want you guys to know this is your show. Call in 480-655-8870. Willie. I mean, Wally. (laughs) Just don't call me late for dinner. There you go. Yeah. And my name is Stove. We're going to kind of transition a little bit. And um, we want to get Bob's take on the whole Cheetah Project. We got plenty of time. Um, Bill Thompson. Thomas. Thank you. So I'm, I'm screwing every Bob. I'm screwing. There you go. Now nah, look out. Uh, Who's on first? That's it. So talk Fred, to talk to us together. about this this legend and what he wanted to do. What was he? He wasn't going about it because he wanted to go after the Cobra. He did. That's exactly what they were set out to do. Chevrolet, that was his mission. We Chevrolet wanted to go and after. Bill Thomas were going after the Cobra. 
Okay. That was why that cheetah was. So why did they make so few? Chevrolet pulled the plug in May of 64 on all financing. Oh, why? Bob. It was a direct threat to the Corvette. Ah, that's what I that's sure. what I was thinking. You're right. So as a brand, the Corvette was just moving along. That was their number one car. That was their flagship at the time. And they said, sorry, Charlie, we're not doing it. Well, then Bill was creating a Super Cheetah model, which was the 65 model. The, the styling was incredible, like a European sports car, Ferrari style, Maserati style. And Chevrolet seen that, the body and chassis, and they pulled the plug on everything. So what year did the, the uh, Corvette start? Corvette started in 1953. 53. When did they start the Camaro? 1967. Okay, wow. And that was a response to the Mustang. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Which later was Lee Iacocca's fame. Yeah, and there's there's a little tidbit here from Bill Thomas and Carol Shelby. You know, not too many people know this, but Carol Shelby went to Chevrolet first, and they tested two Cobras with Chevrolet engines. Dean Moon and Bill Thomas were at the testing. Chevrolet said, we're not interested, but they did test the first Cobras with Chevrolet-powered engines. Wow. And Chevrolet turned them down. Again, because the Corvette was in the background, it was a working program? Absolutely. Yeah. So with, with Chevrolet having the, the Corvette since the 50s, I mean, did Ford have anything in the 50s that was a muscle car? They had a Thunderbird, but... Yeah. <laughs> I don't consider that the same. But, well, yeah. I mean, I it looked kind of cool, but... They were okay, but it wasn't in the class of the no, Corvette. No, not at all. Wally. So was, not until the Mustang. Sorry. Was, that, was, uh, yeah. was Ford kind of late to the game that way? I mean, because it no, seemed like. Ford was ahead of Chevy. Chevy was always chasing them. Believe but, it or not. But because more people were going to buy family cars than they were going to buy muscle cars. But Corvette, it seemed like the Corvette was already well, an established the Cor- the brand. Corvette was out there, but. You know, something just came came to light when you were talking there, and I got I got to put it out. I spent time with Carol Shelby, and I spent time with Bill Thomas. How cool is that? That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I thought Ed Sheeran was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Well, he and I spent yeah. time with Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. And uh, Charles Barkley, but hey. Um, so that's interesting. Um, did, was there a rivalry? Absolutely. I mean, real. Like if they were in the same room. Absolutely. Industrial es- espionage was happening everywhere. Wow. Everywhere, you know. Believe me, there's a lot of money behind. I happen to have a Ford Performance shirt on right here. Uh, <laughs> it was the only clean shirt in the closet. <laughs> well, I'm a, you're I'm there's oil. Guy. As long as there's oil in your shirt, you'll be all right. Don't there worry. There is, there is. <laughs> but, but it, it, man, I'll tell you, industrial espionage happens even to this day. You Let me ask you. Uh, you said that Shelby had uh, the grit. He yes. never took no. Correct. Thomas, was he kind of cut the same way, or what was he, his angle? You know, I only had a chance to spend like one day with him, and he was up in the years. Uh, you know, Bob would know better than I. Bob, Bob you were tell us. With I, I know years. you live and breathe, uh, you know, that whole Well, promise. I was fortunate to have a relationship with Bill with, with him at his home for 14 years, from, two, from 1994 to 2009 when he passed. So I got to know him really well. When nobody what? else would talk to him about cheetahs, he wouldn't. He wouldn't even answer, answer questions with anybody about. Why cheetahs. is that? Was he? Was that? Did it hurt him? When Chevrolet pulled the pr- plug on the cheetah, he was very angry because he really had a great sports car, and the super cheetah was the one coming. They've already fixed all of the small problems with the little car. He called it, 
and they pulled a plug on him and he he never did forgive him because that was the Chevrolet really the true sports car in America because the AC bodies were being built and chassis were being built for Cobra overseas and they were just putting the driveline and tires and wheels here. Mm -hmm. This was a 100% American built sports car compared to the Cobra. And he was really hurt. He thought that Chevrolet should have stuck with it. But the Chevrolet ban, um, all the people that were in charge of funding backdoor Cheetah projects were getting in trouble. Bucky Knudsen, Zorro Duntoff, uh, these guys, Vince Piggins, these guys were th threatened with their job over the Cheetah Project because it started to blossom. And they, they had to walk away. They had careers. They, they had, had to be quiet yeah. or they were going to lose their position. Yeah. And uh, Bill Thomas, he was a very stubborn man. I mean, the man went through uh, engineering school for aircraft and he worked with the military and aircraft. So that's how the Cheetah started. Super lightweight. You can see some of that. Um, Super and, light. And if you're listening, of course, not driving, um, to get a sense, we can only paint so much of a picture here. Um, where can they go to look at the Cheetah and the Super Cheetah? I want folks to see what we're talking about. We're just going to tell them, hey, get on to Google. Where can they go to your site? Yeah, it's BillThomasCheetah.com. You can okay. go on the website there, and you can see... Some of our tribute cars are listed there. There's pictures, there's information, and there's information. There's a breaking news section there for the real car restorations. Yeah, you guys check that out during the break. I want you guys to see this because you definitely see some. Uh, oh, there's some incredible photographs on there. Yeah, and we're going to get to more into your inspiration and what you're doing today uh, with the Continuum cars. Wally's got the new car review. And please call in or text 480-655-8870. Yeah, I'd like to do a text poll right now. What, what's your dream muscle car? 480-655-8870. Text it in. What is your dream muscle car? 480-655-8870. Random people will get Renaissance Festival tickets to you. Thanks, Fred and Bill and uh, Willie. Willie. And I'm stovetop instead of potatoes, and we'll be right back with more Red Station. <laughs> This is Wrench Nation with your hosts, Frank and Steve. All right, Frank, so text at 480-655-8870. And we've got your favorite muscle cars. You should text it in at 480-655-8870. Got a couple listeners. Uh, how about the 1976 Pantera, a oh, yellow one? Yeah. Who made the Pantera? That's a good question. It's not for me. Bob? Ford. Oh, he's the, uh, he's the Ford guy. Okay, you're the, the Ford, Ford guy. guy. Ford <laughs> made a Pantera? Yeah, actually, the funny thing is, is I was a Chevy guy growing up. Yeah. You know, I just happened to know who was, you know, first on race day, or what we used to say is found on the road dead. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world is a Cuda? Barracuda. A Barracuda. Yeah, a Barracuda. Yeah, he's, ta he's talking about the Hemi Cuda, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, the Hemi Cuda, 426th yes. Street Hemi Cuda. Absolutely. Steve's coming a long way. Yeah. He's been out. We're going to get him Ooh, to the garage. Hemi Cuda. He's come a long way, little by little. <laughs> All right, yeah. So who made that? Dodge? Obviously Hemi? No? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's. I just figured the Dodge well, it was Hemi. Plymouth. It was Plymouth. Plymouth, okay. Yeah. yeah Plymouth. And, and what about, uh, of course, I know this, 69 Corvette Z71. There you go. Yeah. A 427 in it with 435 horsepower? Yes, but there was an LS6 454 that was available, too. 1970. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So, But it was made in 69. It hit the street in 70. You guys resetting with <laughs> us. If you're just joining the show, you know we went to two hours just a few weeks yes, ago. Yes, we did. Perhaps you're joining us. We were on at 4 to 5. Now we're 3 to 
3 to 5. Tell your friends. Uh, we've got Wally Cahill uh, does the new car review on Channel 3, and we're just really uh, – He does well, the new car review here too now. He does, and, and <laughs> we're, we're hanging, and Wally is uh, setting me up because for some reason I've got names twisted. But i got to tell you – Bob's here. I'm just going to tell you, Bob Oxier. You, you got it. Yeah, I got it right. Uh, and I'm just going to say this in my mind. Wait, I'll give you the clap. The... Get the claps there going. There you go. You got yeah. it right. This boot camp. We got a boot camp soundboard here. All right, Fred. I'm going to just tell you something. When I first met you out in Russo's Seal, there's something about a wrench to wrench. I'm a wrench. I'm not an Ivy League guy. I'm a guy that started, I wrenched in the junkyard. I did mobile repair. You're a door. Op- You're a door. I, exactly. And when I met you, I could smell another wrench. That's all I know. That's it. My and whole and, life. and I don't know what to say to you guys listening. Perhaps you're, you know, you mechanics out there. I don't know if I can say that. Can you smell another wrench from wrench? Do doctors do this? Like, oh, he's a he's a pediatrician. I can smell him. It's just something about that. Wally, you get out there in the motorsports world and you know when you got somebody that's a wrench and then somebody that just eh, he, nah, Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. And I bust them all the time. You yeah, know, in my mind, I mean, not I that do. we're I, trying to do that. It's no, just something no, no. odd. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't have been able to do this five years into my career because my my head was in the books. I was like, you know, I wanted to know all about that Rochester carburetor and you know how I screwed up rebuilding that thing. And your head's a different place. But after twenty twenty five years, it's like you can like smell an antifreeze. You can smell another wrench. And dude, the passion, I smelled, the passion uh, kicks in. It does yeah. kick in. And um, you certainly couldn't have come this far. Uh, and done as well without that passion. I want to dive into more of the Thomas story. You met him, and he was a bit beaten, and he, you know, he was it, over the cheetah. He was. He was. Um, what gravitated you and your talents? What was that connection for you and Mr. Thomas? Well, my background was restoring high-end Corvettes, fifty-seven to sixty-nine. So my background was Corvettes. Bill's background really was high-performance tuning, the early fuel-injected Corvettes in 57. And he got Chevrolet's attention because they were winning almost every every race that he tuned on the West Coast. He sold Bob Bondurant his first race car, Corvette race car, wow. 57 Fuley that Bill Thomas prepared. So Bill's background was Corvettes. And then my background was Corvettes, so we kind of, it was a great relationship because my background, his background, and his passion for the cheetah. He's seen my passion for the cheetah right early because they invited me over with my first replica cheetah in 94, June. Once he's seen that replica, he thought it was real. And I said, no, Bill, I built it off of pictures. He was blown away by that. Let me ask you, um, in today's circuit, uh, whether it be NHRA or NASCAR, that same kind of thing has to click for the pit crew. It's not. It's almost like the fire department. Can I use that as an analogy? We know that to maybe Wally, you kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you yeah. don't just. There's got to be a connection in in a common ground, almost a spiritual, without getting too cheesy, because that pit crew is like the military. It's they like make being it out work. of the battle. They make and it they, work. They're like synchronized swimmers. Yeah. They can't even think about these movements. Wally, you've been around a lot of pit crews, um, in in. And we'll continue to do that. Uh, I've got a plug. Are, are we, we're doing a test and tune. Yes, test and tune out at Wild Horse Pass. We're going to be hanging out with the Coletta crew. Yeah, so if you guys can, um, if you haven't done so already, we try and get all the information on Facebook. It seems like where all you knuckleheads are hanging out. 
Um, and so get on a Facebook, like it, because we're, we're trying to get you. We don't look, we're not doing 30 minute videos. We're going to send you a little two to three minutes when we meet great folks uh, like Bob Oxier. And we met our uh, Alan Travis, uh, who has the Bugatti. We're going to get that story to you. So just get on a Wrench Nation Facebook. It's kind of where we play and get that information out. Uh, Walla, you said you had hung out with quite a few pit crews. Um, distinctive difference between NASCAR and NHRA? Absolutely. Um, a lot of the same components, but what happens in NHRA, say, for instance, uh, NHRA will go out and make a run, 1,000-foot run, comes back to the pits. They got 75 minutes to rebuild that motor and be back up on the line, and they take it down to the block. Unless you are uh, Mr. Doug Kalita last year. Didn't he blow something up pretty bad? Was well, it last year? Yeah, well, you're, you're now they you're, all do. They all do. I know, yeah. but are you talking if, if there's major catastrophe? No, I'm talking regular service. Right, but yeah. in that if, if, I, if, if that motor blows. That's actually a shorter time period because what they do. Swap. They, they replace They're just going to swap everything. Yeah, and they've got two or three bullets in the trailer. Yeah, that's going to be cool to get to you guys. Uh, we're going to get uh, some of the behind the scenes about how all that happens. And Tested Tune is kind of a relaxed, I wouldn't say too relaxed, but because they're out there on a mission, but it's not race day. No, it's not race day. You know, you can go out, it's family fun. If you want to get up close, and here's the big difference I see between NHRA and NASCAR. NASCAR likes to tout the accessibility of the drivers. On a scale of 1 to 10, they're a 2. NHRA is like 11. You go into NHRA pits, you're going to see the driver packing his parachute. You can walk up to him, tap him on the shoulder. That's what I love. And the other statistic, and I really love this, there's more women in, is this right? Me too. NHR, well, yeah, hashtag. I don't know about that. Be careful, all you you Twitter maniacs. But uh, but no, this is a serious fact. It seems like women have more presence in NHRA uh, and are more involved. Uh, Yes. The Force family. Yes. Yes, so so you've you've got the Force girls out there. Brittany won the Top Fuel Championship last year. Yeah, you know Courtney racing that funny car right next door. Now, if you look at a funny car versus a Top Fuel, the difference in wheelbase, the Top Fuel cars, the long skinny ones, yeah, easier to drive than the funny car. Funny cars, oh, funny cars like a cheetah. You know, it's squirrely. You, it's yeah, squirrely. Yeah, you drop the hammer, you don't know where it's going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Hey, no, hey, no. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. <laughs> So uh, catch that on Facebook. Bob, you know, you, you made that connection. And what were some of your challenges, um, you know, initially uh, getting under the hood? Uh, there were some suspension issues. Uh, there were some triangulation components that were incorporated to keep it stable. A lot of our listeners um, have some race cars sitting in there. What can you tell folks about how it relates to what you did to suspension to make things a bit more stable uh, and less squirrely, or was that an issue? Well, the original Cheetahs, the chassis acted as a spring because the tubing was too thin. So we upgraded the tubing from 063 wall to 095 wall. Major difference. Stiffened the car right up. And we put one crossbar across the front suspension where the coilovers pick up left to right. And we plated the rear suspension pickups for the trailing arms and we cross-brace the rear end support right underneath the rear end, and you put a better coilover shock in the car and a better tire, and the car was a world of a difference. Yeah. I mean, just a few things. The upgrades were no big deal, but they, they didn't give Bill that much time. Yeah. 
Uh, you guys stay tuned. We're going to come back. If you got questions, we got a bunch of awesome, well, let's just call it what it is, gearheads hanging out with us today, uh, including myself. And Steve, you're coming a long way, buddy. Hey, what is your favorite muscle car, your dream muscle car? Text us 480-655-8870. We want to know. Love seeing the pictures, too, so just attach those pictures to the text. 480-655-8870. Wrench Nation continues next. Car talk, car culture, car tips, car music, all that is car. This is Wrench Nation with your hosts, Frank and Steve. Well, all right, we're talking about muscle cars, people. This is it. This is your show. We got Bob Oxier and Wally Cahill. I'm stumbling on my words because I'll be quite frank with you. I think this is an era that, are we going to say needs to come back in some for fashion form. I mean, let right me now, be Frank, let we, me be Frank here. You just be Freddie Frank. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you on the name. Get it? Well, he'd be, he'd be I, yeah. Frank, you be Frank. No, man, I, Bill, I think, Bob, I, I think so, Bob, you, you got, you're, you're building and we're going to kind of jump around a little bit. It's a family tradition because we got a lot of youngsters listening. Dad's in the garage, mom's in the garage and they're showing them, you know, we had somebody just text in one of their favorite, classic cars was the early 80, 80s in 1987 monster the buick gnx yep. right they considered one of the meanest muscle cars you know sort of that grand national circuit but to keep this going you got a family affair cooking over there you your son works with you one of my sons yeah and occasionally okay. the other son all right yeah let me ask you something uh we have a few folks listening that have these project cars and some of it is just it's it's the passion it doesn't go away but they're trying to turn on their kids. And let's just face it, in this digital age, I did an event this morning downtown with the, uh, the governor's office, and we had NTSB, it's Red Mean Stop, and we talked about the digital side and how everyone is distracted with that. And I'm hoping you can add something to this, because you've experienced it. How do we get the message to the youngsters? You know, dad struggles, and he's competing against the cell phone. He's competing against these things. What could you say to keep that spirit alive? Drag them out in the garage, put a wrench in their hand. I mean, the passion for cars is still out there. You just got to educate them and get them interested. Once you get them interested and they get a taste of these cars and especially driving one of them, the thrill is like nothing else. When you drive one of these muscle cars, Corvettes, GNXs, the thrill is incredible. I mean, yeah. It's an adrenaline rush. You don't really need a drug if you have a muscle car or a Corvette. You don't need drugs. That's a fact. And an investment. You can get a pretty good market. You can beat the market with some of these cars and, and know that you can drive and have fun and tinker and, and design it and still get, you know, modestly 6 8% a year. It's a safe bet uh, unless you're in the exotics and the more. But I ask that because it seems like our crowd, we have a lot of tuners and rocket racers and Drifting, drifting. Wally just cringed. Wally, how come we're not doing any stories with drifters? They're out there. You know, we need to. It, it, absolutely, drifting. Drifting isn't racing, and they're all going to beat. Oh, up on we're going to get haters. But, but, but <laughs> it takes a tremendous amount of skill to be able to pitch the car sideways. Just like when I used to race in the desert, people would talk about, "Oh, get some air." It's like, dude, you can't get any traction in the air. Stay on the ground. So if I'm on the track, I'm not going forward if I'm going sideways. I want to go forward and I want to win the race. Mm. Well, I think I'm an old guy. Well, no, you res respectfully. I mean, I have to bring up drifting because that's huge now in the last five years. 
not to take away from muscle cars, but it's it's kind of like this generation in Hollywood is a great part of that. Same with muscle cars. There was a lot of movies that came out of that, a lot of music that came out of that. So in my mind, when I'm thinking about like the whole Ranch Nation thing, we we got to like get where they're at. And, you know, I'm not saying that the muscle cars is not, you know, we, we want to be able to make that connection. But uh, so you drifters, don't forget. Don't forget. Big blocks, baby. <laughs> no replacement for displacement. Oh, we got to, we got to. Can we tagline that or is that trademark? No, no, that, that, that belongs to somebody else from years ago. <laughs> so, Bob, you've traveled the world. Um, you've raced the cheetah because it doesn't count. If you build it, you got to race it. Tell us about Europe. What were you doing? Is it was out in England? Goodwood in England, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Paint took, the scene. I took one of the uh, original Bill Thomas race cars, one of the most famous LED8-powered race car, 427 LED8, 650 horsepower. I was invited by Lord March to bring the first genuine cheetah over to Goodwin and race it up the hill. And I got. How do you get invited by the Lord? How did they? F- <laughs> I mean, come on! You just said oh, the Lord summoned me to the racetrack. <laughs> I don't think it's that Lord. A different Lord, Lord well, March. No, I'm, no, I mean, there's a lot of lords. <laughs> I get that, but can I ask you that? Like, how was that connection made? How? I sold the number one cheetah aluminum project to uh, a man in England, and he's personal friends with Lord March. Okay. And they really, for years, have been wanting a real cheetah to come over there to show it to the Brits and to show it to the world because Goodwood Festival of Speed is one of the biggest racing events in the world. Every former race car driver is over there, a lot of the Formula One guys. You get to display your car, and then they, they race up the hill there and it was raining over there. It was just, it was an incredible time to see On your way cars. over there, were you nervous or more excited to both? Like, <laughs> all right. Because I got to ask you. It was a you, trip. Yeah, I got I to gotta ask you that. So, of course, it's raining. It seems like Europe always rains. Um, Every day. Right. You know, I, I kind of, I was born in Germany. And as a kid, we'd go back. And yeah, it was like you weren't accustomed to the, the rain that Not way. Not at but, all. So you're out there. Tell me the mindset of folks from England and Europe. Was it like the jazz musicians back in the day? They got no respect here in this country, and they would they would tour in Paris. They would tour in you know Eastern Europe and gain all kinds of fame. Is there some of that going on with car culture that we don't appreciate as much as they do? Well, there's a lot of that going on. We had such a big attention drawn to the cheetah from Italy, the UK. France, Germany, these people couldn't believe that I brought a real car over there because they had never seen one. So they know a lot of information about real cheetahs. You know, they're tuned in on that car. The style of the car is almost European, if you will. It's it's really an interesting car It does car to have look those at. lines. It's almost, I mean, I hate to bring Enzo and Ferrari, but it, it does have. It's those, similar. It is very similar. Um, so they recognize the style of the car and they love it. I mean, mm. the compliments were incredible. And then for me to drive through the crowds of thousands of people, I mean, this attendance for this event is probably 300,000 people from all over the world. So you're on the racetrack, it's raining, it's muddy, you're going up the hill. Um, were you in control? Absolutely. I, that's, <laughs> I like that. I like that. But um, so... Every race has a turn or two that may, oh, snap, I almost didn't have control. Did you ever almost not have control? 
Well, the first lap, they pointed me in that direction. I was never on the course before. Didn't even drive the course. Didn't know the course. They said, you take off here. You didn't know the course? No. Was that Went good? I mean, is it good as someone out there racing to say, I'm going to hit it, and I'm just going to enjoy it? It was great. <laughs> right. It was uh, It was great. All right. I mean, I went over, there's like a little hill. Yeah. And you can't see what's on the other side. Oh, gosh. It's it, And then there's a dip, and then there's a hard it's like the left monster. turn. That's like, a left mon- turn. that's like a monster course. A oh. monster car course or and a truck I'm, course. And, and the, the start of it's like a drag race. Oh. And then you go over this, yeah. and you look, and you go, I can't stop for this. But I, I hit the brakes, and I got it turn and my right tire just started to go off in the grass and i pulled that car out of that and i'm like thank you god you got me through that one <laughs> um, the lord so we hear about like our football flare players in the line you know you hear about offense defense stories they're throwing sand and whatever tell us like in europe are there any tricks did they did they try to stump you and play games no. mess with you no they really didn't they're very serious they were respectful they're, yeah and they love that car yeah. over there and they didn't want me to get hurt in the car or hurt that car yeah yeah these are all highly professional drivers from all yeah. over the world we got bob oxier the legend behind the uh bill thomas uh, cheetah who's keeping that spirit alive and of course wally cahill you guys uh if you want to call in and ask some questions uh maybe some project costs for you though 655-8870 stick around we've got more this is Wrench Nation with your hosts, Frank and Steve. Oh, yeah, we're talking muscle cars today, 480-655-8870. Yeah, you know, and, and we did cover uh, Carol Shelby, but with our in-studio guest, uh, Bob Oxier, uh, of course, Wally Cahill, we really wanted to take you guys on a bit of a journey uh, with, the, with the Cheetah uh, and the Super Cheetah, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute, but I, I want to because as tradition, we, we just started this two weeks ago. Wally's got a new car review, and a lot of you out there right now, you've got some tax money. I'm not sure. You know, you're, you're kind of shopping around. So Wally will give us a new car review, and I say again, please catch Wally on Channel 3 every Sunday morning. Wally, what do we got this week for a new car review, man? Okay, this week we have the 2018 Hyundai. Well, wait a minute. You did like the prices right right <laughs> That's now. That's right. <laughs> I love channeling that. channeling them. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Wally. Go ahead. <laughs> Kind of, you kind of look like Johnny Olson back in the day. Hey, a little bit. A little, a little bit. bit. A very little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hyundai Sonata, SEL, the nice version. SEL. Tell us the difference between SE and SEL. Boy, I don't know. Lim- so know? is that Sport Edition Limited? <laughs> Maybe. Okay, but it's all about I only the- test what I get, so I don't I know. You, but yeah, really, yeah. so folks know, because folks will ask. Yes. It has to do with the trim packaging. Absolutely. Perhaps uh, it- an uptick in transmission. Function. S- same transmission. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, this one didn't have like paddle shifters or anything. Uh, it was powered by a 2.4 liter uh, inline four with a direct injection. That's that's where it's at, direct right. injection. Yeah. Direct injection and dual continuous valve timing. Uh-huh. So what that means is, you know, you can get the more, most torque at a lower RPM. Yeah, so you guys. So four banger doesn't have to be wound up to like 50,000 RPM. It doesn't. It's so managed. And, and and so you guys know, if you're listening, you see a lot of this. Uh, we, we always kind of the ABC XYZ model. But the fact is the CAFE standards, uh, which, you know, California leads the way in sort of setting the example, the manufacturers are under a lot of, well, not, I wouldn't say stress or duress, Pressure. But the, the engineers have to come up with something. You want torque, you want power, but they've got to, they have to abide by these strict emissions laws. 
So this variable valve timing that you talk about is just one step closer to onboard systems managing the duration of valve lift and things like that when that's happening because that's going to give you the the, the push it, right no it's going to hold the valves open you yeah know, get a little bit more fuel in there a little bit more torque this thing the little four-cylinder making 185 horsepower 178 foot pounds of torque little front wheel drive burnout what you saying <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely biggest thing about a hyundai though it's got to be that 10-year, 100,000-mile That's a selling point. Yeah, on the, yeah. the drivetrain. Did Hyundai go away from that periodic? Or did they always have the 10-year? They year? always had it. They, they wow. introduced it. I remember testing the very first Hyundais when they came out. And let me tell you, they've come a long way. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you from the garage perspective, because I remember when Kia and Hyundai kind of first came out, mechanics didn't really respect those vehicles. <laughs> kind of like a Yugo. I mean, it kept us in business in, in that in that sense, but, you know, mechanics do feel folks' wallet pain. You know, it's not like we're, well, we don't care. You're going to pay us to fix it. But Hyundai and both Kia come a long way. Who would this car be suitable for? This car would be suitable for a young family. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a four-seater, maybe five if you got a young, small person for the center of the back seat. Think of it like a mid-sized four-door sedan. Okay. Uh, 32 miles to the gallon. Whoa. Yeah, man. It uh, it was good. At it 180. Was, at 180. So, Mama, if you're listening, right, you drop the kids off and you feel like you got to get on the freeway, bam, 180. Hey, moving and grooving. That's at 184 <laughs> horsepower, not miles per hour. No. <laughs> yeah. Bang. You, you don't want to go fast. But there's yeah. power. Yes. And mainly, like, we get grumpy in the morning. Like, we got to get to where we're going. It's traffic within the laws. But we want to... Like, kick it down a bit so we can pass the... Sport l- version. Thank you. Yeah, you, know, you hit the little so sport So you can button. feel it with this one. Yeah, the sport, sport button on there uh, increases the injector timing, gives a little bit more fuel, probably a couple degrees of advance also. Uh, you can feel the, the... If you're just driving with a steady throttle and you turn that sport button on and off, oh. y- you feel the difference. I bet you if we, if we measured, you know, that throttle position sensor where we can actually see voltage... You know, when a TPS goes bad, we can see where it spikes Is down. Is that like and a WFO? It's a, it's a TPS. <laughs> oh, okay. For the ABC of the EFI of the direct injection. But um, what you're saying is it's, it's managed. There's a lot of input and output sensors working yes. uh, together to seamlessly manage the ride. Now, speaking of seamless, how's the relationship with one smartphone with this car? Is there any technology in that cab? Yes, Apple CarPlay's in there. Whoa. Yeah. Tell it, us about that. I don't know about it, frankly. Right. frankly well, I'll really tell you don't. about it. <laughs> Apple CarPlay, we mentioned that Toyota actually at the uh, Detroit Auto Show came out with that. That's a big deal. I think manufacturers are kind of like, let's see where Google and Apple Play want us to, you know, how's that relationship? We all know that Detroit moves a whole lot slower than Silicon Valley, uh, for sure. But they move faster than Wally Cahill because I still (laughs) use my phone for a phone. (laughs) I know, Wally, but some of us listening are saying... I need directions, or I hear you. But the technology behind Apple Play essentially synchronizes your phone. The music on your phone. Music, yeah, yeah. mapping, and that's all integrated. Um, and so what's the price points? Okay, MSRP, bare bones there, not the SEL model, but bare bones starts at $23,706. Fair. The, the, S, yeah. the SEL, as tested, that I actually tested, $25,710. Wow. But oh, factory, factory incentives and dealer incentives are going to get you down to, well, gonna, it's going to drop you about five grand, like you've heard me say the last couple of weeks. You know, when you walk into a, a dealer, you see that MSRP, 
There's five grand in it, dude. I mean, you got to fight for it, but it is five grand there to be had. Just so you know, I got some emails from you dealership people. I know you hate us, but well, I that's feel the like fact. I feel like I got screwed the past 13 times I bought a car. Where the hell were you, Wally? Wally, I'm kind of liking this vehicle. You've done the research on the price points. Where can folks find this ride? Do you have any recommendations? Because some of us don't want to spend a Saturday going to like eight different places you, you know, know i do this for a living so i go out there and i do shop around i, I know check, you do I, yeah I checked around all around town i think you just enjoy doing that i do i do well i gotta little, put miles on the car i gotta i gotta test it so but you're out you take a little protein bar and you're out there shopping a couple, couple of bottles of water man i ended up up on bell road okay you know chapman hyundai up there 999 bell road okay is where i found the best deal and that is where I learned that there was five grand off up there. I oh. see. Ah, I like right. how you go around and you look at the best price. That's cool. I where, got to. I got to. I'm yeah. lo- looking out for my peeps. That's cool. That's fair. Where's Wally? Where's Wally? <laughs> He's up on Bell. <laughs> you need to get yourself one of those red and white striped shirts. I have um, one of those. Oh, good. <laughs> so, Wally, we appreciate that car review, but um, I'll be quite honest with you. I think that people really appreciate uh, the history you've been around and you've talked about that earlier what do you miss from back in the day that we don't have today my 69 z28 okay yeah that's you know you know people go back in the day the 69 z28 well well frankly the cars back then the muscle cars weren't as fast as the cars are now if you take a 69 z28 and lay it up against say a new hellcat Or yeah, the guy with the Hemi Cuda that called it or, or that texted it and said it was yeah. favorite car. Yeah. Uh, break that Hemi Cuda out against the Challenger Hellcat and see what happens. Another one that came in was Mercury Marauder. Ah, Ooh. the Marauder. Why wow, all the names were like. Yeah. Like, they were like, bad. Yeah. yeah. Watch out. The Marauder is coming through. The Javelin. Hey, what I want to know, though, is what you missed that ride. Respectfully, you missed it. What do you miss about the times? Like cars connected people in a certain way. Now it's just like. Ride sharing, and nothing against that. There's a purpose for everything, but what do you miss about the culture back then? The camaraderie. I grew up in a truck stop, so what I used to do is go out and hang out with my pals. We would street race, yeah. You know, in Southern Cal or not Southern California, Southern Wisconsin, where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, street racing was maybe two blocks long, so if you had a good running car, you'd get through first and second, and then it was time to shut it down. Well, back then the rear ends weren't as strong. <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot of torque was made by those big blocks, you know, and you were, we were tearing rear ends out. We were spinning bearings, you know, uh, on the crankshaft and stuff. What I would do with all my pals, whatever we'd break, we'd drag it back to the shop. We'd tear it apart, and by sun up that next morning, it was back on the road. Yeah, I mean, think about the times my brother growing up and taking his Vega in my grandma's garage and doing the pinstriping and painting stuff himself. Yeah, you know, just even that part of it. We were at the Haggerty Test Garage, and I thought this was really, really cool. Of course, Haggerty. Uh, being sort of the authority in classic car insurance. They do auctions. They, they're really in bed with uh, that whole market. We were out at an ele- elementary school in Phoenix, and let's just, let's just be honest and real here. We had a choice. Do we head up to Barrett, or do we go to the school and hang out with the kids? They had six stations. That was great. It was great. And so they had one station where they had the kids. They gave them paddles. Uh-huh. They gave them fake money. And they had a real live auctioneer well, guy, cool. and and they were bidding. It was so fun. And they got a car. And they got a car. I mean, granted, it wasn't you it was know a it was toy a little, car, yeah. But, yeah. And then of course our friend Alan Travis with the Bugattis. In fact, he made a statement back in the early 1900s. 
We had no clue what happens to a human body over 60 miles an hour. Could we even breathe? And, and to see the look and, and sort of the, the expression on these kids' faces, that's what we need. And I, I, I know we can't solve all the world's problems here, but that's what we need to continue doing. Those fifth graders came together. One thing I noticed, and, and I'm sure you did too, Frank, was every station, you know, there was, what, 20 kids there? Yeah. Nobody was talking, cutting up, anything like that. They were paying attention to what was happening. No, man, they had the look. They had, it was like Eye of the Tiger for this little, little automotive stuff here. You guys stay tuned. We're actually going to cut into a little bit about some suspension and possibly steering. We've got some folks with project vehicles. Bob Oxier here with the Cheetah. We're going to ask you some, maybe some mechanical questions about what you can do to keep that ride stable because you had to deal with a lot of that. All right, we'll see you on the other side. Wrench Nation continues next. This is Wrench Nation with your hosts, Frank and Steve. Yes, we are here on Wrench Nation, and Frank and Steve are here, and Bob and Wally are here. We got the whole gang up in here today. Uh, You just heard that uh, new car review. Wally, thank you. Uh, Understand that we're also going to get that on Wrench Nation Facebook. I missed it last week. We're trying to formulate without inundating you guys. Uh, I want to ask Wally and Bob a question. Uh, I've got the top-selling muscle cars currently of 2017. All right. Can you guess what the top-selling muscle car was, Bob? I would say the new Mustang. The Mustang? Okay. Wally, what do you think? I think the Hellcat. You're wrong. Who's, who makes a Hellcat? I don't know. Dodge. 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 Is that the Challenger? Yes. The Challenger yeah. is the correct answer. Yeah. And Mustang in second. It was, uh, and actually, for the first time, Dodge passed Mustang. All right, wait a minute. 707 horse. You yeah. got it. You got a bunch of gearheads in here. Like, oh, I'm just uh, looking here. Is that Wikipedia? I don't know. Hellcat. <laughs> I thought maybe it was a... So, no, Wally... It's a, it's a, it's, it's a no, no. I, I, I think I can believe that, but Wally, speak to the Hellcat. We got a limited segment. Speak to the Hellcat. Because okay. we, yeah. Okay, Hemi. You're talking about the Hemi Cooter. Sure. Okay, the basic, you know, the same thing. It's not quite the same nowadays, different block and everything. But Hemi speaks to the hemispherical head. Yeah. Meaning, meaning Valve train. Yeah, yeah. Well, meaning the, the spark mm-hmm. plug is dead center in the combustion chamber. Right. So it doesn't have to flow in anywhere. But the supercharged, fuel injected, 707 horse. Two different key fobs in it. You got a black key fob that gives you 505 horsepower. Or if you get the red key fob, which I always get. Uh, unlocks just through the the technology of it unlocks another 202 horsepower right there and and the challenger frankly it's hard to keep that thing on the ground it's so light and so fast holy cow well i know the hellcat had some uh some scandal behind some of the dealerships that had a few of these and they were just overcharging premium premium premium. but um let's move on here a lot of you have uh we mentioned this earlier perhaps a project ride um whether it's a muscle car or, you know, you got an old Nissan 280Z. I want to talk to you about perhaps the big question of what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong with mating up horsepower to the wheels. And so, Bob, in, in your world of racing and restoring and doing the continuum vehicles and talking to a lot of mechanics, what are we getting wrong with horsepower uh, as it were for speed? Well, getting the cars to hook up on the street is individually cars are different and it depends if you want to come off the line hard or soft 
really you need to get the suspension stiffer and you need to get lower profile tires to get it to hold onto the road much better than the factory tires because low profile tires is very important. And the springs, you need to stiffen the springs or the struts up and you put a better brake on the car and it's a whole different car. Right, right. Wally, you ever run into some problems in, um, you know, back in the day when you were you, you were building and you, you had some mistakes, uh, you built a nice engine, uh, you got carb was all nice and tuned, timing was down, great, and you had some of these suspension issues? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. First thing, you know, and Bob touched on it there, uh, the widest tire back when I was doing that was a G7014. You know, so, you know, that that's like nothing compared to nowadays. So when you're trying to hook up, you know, 400 horse, which, you know, was, was a good running motor back then. I mean, it was small block Chevys. You might have been 300 horse, 350 horse, you know, out of a 327. Uh, if it was the Rochester fuel injection, uh, you know, you had a better running car if somebody knew how to set that fuel injection up because it was mechanical back then, not electronic. Yes. But, but the biggest thing that I've learned in, in the years since then, it's not about the horsepower. Get your suspension down, you know, figure that out, and then add some horsepower. When you can drive the car full throttle with the stock horsepower, then start adding horsepower. But the handling is key. You always want to make sure that car handles, and as fast as it goes, make sure it stops that good, too. Right. Um, today's cars, we, we mentioned the the uh, the Challenger, the Hellcat. Um, what do you see now? I got to touch the Japanese market, and I, I want to kind of switch gears because we have some folks that, that drive, you know, an accurate NSX or what respectable car in that Japanese market exists today that has the horsepower, has the steering, the suspension? I mentioned the NSX, which is I, it's not around. Uh, there's still a great market for that. Right. Who there's get, a new one out there. It's, oh, it's, it's it, pretty pricey. It's pretty pricey. Well, let's get back down. Let's get away from the high price point okay. stuff because then the sky's the limit, right? Right, right. What affordable? When I mean affordable, let's say we're looking at 30 to 50, let's just say. If I want to buy in that Japanese market, who gets it right today? I like the Nissan 370Z, I have to say. Um, pretty impressed with the way that handles. Two-seater car, definitely. A little bit of back, not even a backseat, but a little bit of area back there, you know, if you need to throw something back there. But it's a true sports car in that. Um, handles good. Independent suspension all the way around. So uh, you're pretty good there. I would look there. If you want to go a little bit higher in price, the new Lexus LC500, if you can afford it, <laughs> it's yeah. a lot higher. It's like a hundred grand. Uh, but man, that thing is sweet. You talk yeah. about the Ferrari styling. That thing actually has hips and a butt. I got to yeah. tell you, mechanically, like the 350Z, we've had, I've got dozens, dozens of those that come in the garage and we don't see a whole lot of mechanical drama. No. Um, and you can suit those cars. There's a nice tuner aftermarket without killing the bank too hard. All my 350Z folks... They love driving to work, but during the weekend, they want to be able to take that out and open it up. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. I, I see that as being one of the platforms. Um, Bob, what's the future for the Super Cheetah? Uh, the one of one, where are you at today with that car? We're about 80% finished with it. It's going to be done this year in 2018. We're working on it off and on every week now. 
So it's it's become a roller now on, on suspension, tires, wheels, brakes, the drive lines in it. We're finishing up the aluminum body. Uh, it's a one-off car. The body's one-off. The chassis's a one-off. It was Bill's styling car for the future of the Cheetah. So uh, we are going to finish that car, and we've been invited to Goodwood next year. That is awesome. Yeah, for that yeah. car. So it's going to be incredible. But the style of the car is really also a, more on the lines of Ferrari, Maserati. It's really an incredible style car. It outstyles the first design car, which yeah. is what scared Chevrolet. Folks have an interest uh, in following your journey and uh, your passion behind the Cheetah. Where can they go uh, as far as social media? We don't, wanna, we don't want thousands of people knocking on your garage. <laughs> no, it's, sure. the best way is BillThomasCheetah.com. Okay. And you'll learn a lot of information on that site. There's a lot of photographs on there, old photos, new photos, some history, some of our cars that we built in the past, the tribute cars. There's a lot of good information on there. We're going to follow your journey. Uh, it, it is incredible to keep that alive and uh, not only to restore, but actually go out there and drive it. So you guys, Ranch Nation Facebook, we're going to, we're going to document that journey, and you're saying we're, you, you're going to get it out in 18, the good one? We're going to get the Super Cheetah done this year. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then next year. It's going to happen. Next, next year. year right. Yeah. Next year for Goodwin. We're going to have you back on the show because that's an amazing story. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. Bob Oxier out there doing the Cheetah. You rock, man. Thank you. The Wrench Nation Wild and Wacky News on Wheels. Well, all right, this is a little bizarre. People are Montreal artists and machinists at that. He liked to mess around with the police officer out there. He made a car out of snow. This car was on the side of the road, shaped like a car, and it fooled police. They said, oh, what is going on right there? Instead of building a snowman, he decided to build a car out of snow. You can catch that with our friends. Uh, Auto- <laughs> I saw that. Autoblog.com. There is your weird and When the automotive. police officers start to wipe the snow away, it's like the car is disappearing. He's he like, kept, where's he the kept car? wiping the snow. He got deeper and deeper in. So there you are. That's your weird automotive news. Rich Nation every Wednesday, two hours, 3 to 5 p.m. We love you calling in. We love you texting in. Thanks for your participation today. Thank you, Wally, for being here again. Wally Cahill, and of course... Our Bob Oxier. Bob Oxier is in the studio today. That's right. Get on iTunes. People let you know what, uh, let us know what you think of the show. Give us show topic comments. We'd love that. And please head on over to right now, Wrench Nation Facebook. If you're listening to this on the replay on the podcast, thank you for joining us. We upload shows every Sunday. And as I say every week, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug a mechanic.